It's a rainy Saturday morning, and we're heading down the road, the N4, to Mpumalanga for a weekend of hiking and exploring and checking out waterfalls and maybe going down the old panorama route. We head out of Joburg early in the morning, drive on the N12 to Witbank, dodging the coal trucks and making our way through the murk. We're going to the Malago Hotel first. It's a kind of retro sort of motel road trippy kind of place, as if a Spanish hacienda got dropped out of space into the Irlands River Valley. So it's quite cool in its own sort of um, very retro way. We drop our bags and then my girl and I head up to Carps of Hoop, which is a kind of forestry town sort of stuck in time. Um, you can imagine corrugated iron cottages, a bit like they have at Pilgrim's Rest. And a sort of very folksy, homely kind of... Um, lost in time kind of feeling about it. The thing about Carps of Hoop, apart from the rocks that people say have magic qualities, are the wild horses. No one knows where they came from. People say they escaped from a circus and um, kind of ended up living in the hills. What we know for sure is that they are there and they live in their herds, and they, are get, they get fed by the people in the town. But really, what I want to do is go down the hill to the Sedwala Caves. And not the caves so much themselves, because I have a thing about bats. I mean, some people like that cold, kind of gloomy, batty, guano kind of place. It's the place next door, which was the dinosaur park. Been there forever. Started by a guy called Meneer Owen, who had some concrete dinosaurs made by a guy called Jan van Sale. And if you remember the old two-cent piece, Jan van Sale was the guy who designed the wildebeest on the two-cent piece. Anyway, Jan van Sale built some concrete dinosaurs. They parked them in the forest next to Sudwalo, and they <laughs> grew vegetation around them. I'm seeing the dinosaurs are eating each other. Some of them are, like, growling. They've got saber-toothed cats. It became this sort of folksy tourist attraction where people would come out of the caves and say, what's next? And they would go to the dinosaur park, which is great. Because it's still there, and 30 years later, Philip Owen is still running the place. He is a very engaging guide. He understands the natural history and the human history of the area, and it is a very deep human history. And he absolutely has a grip on dinosaurs. So when we were there, um, we interviewed him, and um, this is what he had to say about his park. My name's Philip Owen, and I am from the Sudwala Dinosaur Park. The farm belonged to my grandfather who had developed the road up to the caves and basically opened the caves up to the public. Of course, at the time the caves was already being used, there was a kind of a road up to the, to the but it was not paved and it was impossible for normal cars to travel up there. But the road was constructed early in the 1900s um, to remove guano out of the cave. The cave was used to mine guano, of course, bat manure, which was um, sought after by, by, by farmers, local farmers in the area from Leidenburg. So apparently there was a, a, a kind of a rough path built up the mountain to the cave, uh, which ox wagons could traverse. So it was um, during the late 50s that my father, who was um, a director of Satwa, 
and he came to Nelspreet to give a talk about tourism and then some people told him about this this farm with, the, with a sort of a semi-abandoned cave on it. My father came and he saw the opportunities here and he went back to my, f- my grandfather. My grandfather worked on the mines in the Boksburg area and during the Second World War he, was, um, he went to fight in, uh, in Egypt for the Allies. And when they came back, there was this um, opportunity that some of the servicemen had to get uh, subsidized trucks from the government, army trucks. So he managed to get two or three small trucks and he started a construction company in Pretoria. When my father approached him with this opportunity, on, uh, he, my grandfather was already in his late 60s at the time. But he took on the challenge, brought his equipment over here, developed the road up the mountain, opened the caves up to the public. So when my grandfather passed away, my father developed, uh, started developing the dinosaur park. And they, uh, eventually my father and his brother split the property and my father developed this uh, theme parks, which is basically Sudwala Dinosaur Park. And many of the f- animals was built close to Johannesburg and then moved here. Yeah. And then through the 80s, some more animals were added and then different by different artists because the original artist has, uh, has passed on. But um, yeah, it's a beautiful park where people can see life-sized, realistically, what these animals look like. Can you tell me who designed the animals and how they were built? Well, before uh, the park was, uh, was started, there were different artists that were tried out. And uh, then eventually uh, Jan van Zeil seemed to come up with the best method of construction. It's a, basically a, a, a welded steel framework covered with the wire mesh and then it's got a cement mix on the outside. Many of these animals was built close to Johannesburg and then moved here. Of course there were some that that's really big and that were built on site. They worked with paleontologists, uh, there was a, especially a, a paleontologist Dr. Andre Kaiser, to ensure that the information is as accurate as possible for the time. Now, of course, these dinosaurs were built in the 70s and this, uh, this, this, this science is quite fluid and dynamic and changes. Um, nowadays, we know that many dinosaurs had feathers on their bodies. We know that the big sauropod dinosaurs had, had, had sort of spikes on their backbones, which we didn't know at the time. We know that the dinosaur like T-Rex had lips and uh, during those times, uh, people thought that dinosaurs were much more reptilian-like. And that's actually a major change you know whereas in the past people used to think that dinosaurs were very much like crocodiles lizards and snakes the name dinosaur means terrible lizard and dinosaurs are classified as reptiles they live during the mesozoic age which means the age of reptiles so it's understandable that people think dinosaurs and reptiles are very close but nowadays we know that dinosaurs were warm-blooded active intelligent sociable their dynamics are completely different from reptiles i mean they were much more like animals like mammals in the Kruger National Park. More than 700 different kinds of dinosaurs have already been identified, and the vast majority of dinosaurs were herbivores, more than 80%. Um, and many of the herbivores moved in big herds, similar to the zebra and impala and kudu and buffalo in the Kruger National Park. The meat-eaters, like the T-Rexes and the allosaurs and the velociraptors, they were fewer, similar to lion and leopard and wild dog in the park. And of course, that's completely unlike reptiles. Most reptiles eat meat, crocodiles, lizards, snakes. Um, there's also a completely different stance. Uh, dinosaurs have all got strong developed hind legs. They moved with their bodies lifted away from the ground and they moved quickly on dry land. In fact, many scientists say that's why dinosaurs became so successful. Because even though they're now extinct, they managed to dominate life on this planet for 150 million years. Dinosaurs ruled.
course it took a an extraterrestrial explosion uh, to, to end the reign of dinosaurs on this planet. So you've really captured a piece of paleontological history here. What, what do you love most about this park, or what you've created here? Well, let me just first uh, mention that uh, in the Sudwala Caves, you can see fossils of a very primitive plant called uh, Glenia. It's a very simple single-celled algae-like plant which uh, lived in this area two billion years ago. And you can actually see fossils of this plant quite clearly in the Sudwala Caves. And that was also a big part of the inspiration for this park because here at Sudwala, I mean, people call it the dinosaur park, but it's actually kind of a museum uh, depicting the development of life on Earth. Because it's not only dinosaurs, there's amphibious reptiles, early reptiles, mammal-like reptiles, early dinosaurs, early reptiles, uh, early mammals, prehistoric uh, people. You know, so when you walk through the park chronologically, you can basically walk through development of life on this planet. Um, what I like about this park is just the... the the excitement that I hear from, from, from people, not only kids, but the grown-ups as well, to see these animals and to stand next to them and be able to touch them and to stand under them and to see and to experience how big they really were. And then it's also really a privilege for me to be able to take uh, group tours through the park. Speaking to kids that's uh, never really had an exposure to uh, dinosaurs like these and to be able to explain a little bit about development of life on this planet because if you reflect on the past you have to reflect a little bit on the future and this park provides just an excellent opportunity to do that. Now at the moment of course people are the dominant species on this planet with more than seven and a half billion people. If things don't change with regards to uh, plastic pollution, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish a mere 25 years from now. And I mean, that thought is, it's almost impossible to, 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 to try and, 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 and think that that situation can arise. But I mean, when we look at South Africa and we, we things like disposable diapers, for example, where in South Africa, more than 4 billion disposable diapers are being used annually. And a disposable diaper can last for 450 years before it starts, starts breaking down in landfall. That's hardly disposable, is it? It's not disposable at all. If you could, would you have preferred to be living in this time and walking around with dinosaurs in this environment? Well, you know, me, I believe that, 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 that we've developed with this planet and that we're part of this planet and we weren't just put here at some certain stage. So I'm excited when I think about uh, fossil skeletons of small little mammals that's been discovered that lived 150 million years ago during the times of dinosaurs. Tiny little shrew-like mammals with well-developed brains and big ears. You know, so for me as a hyper-developed mammal, it's not completely uh, unthinkable that that, that that tiny little shrew-like mammal that lived 150 million years ago could have something to do with me, you know. Here in the dinosaur park you can also see a development of, 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 of prehistoric people and you can see how people have, have changed and we can experience how people are still changing this is ongoing. There's many of us that develop problems with our wisdom teeth and have to have them extracted. And modern dentists say it's because modern man's jaw has become physically too small to house the huge amount of teeth that we still retain. There's some children now being born without wisdom teeth. 
So it shows that this process of development and adaptation is, is still happening. Smaller example where some older men can move physically move their ears because we've got muscles to be able to move our ears. And of course that's really handy to, uh, to, to have when you're living in an environment in the wilderness where you are absolutely dependent on your senses. It's good to be able to focus your hearing. But nowadays when we don't live in that kind of environment anymore, we don't use that and we lo we're losing it. This, however, is a podcast, and it's all very well to talk about dinosaurs, but what do they sound like? And here's the thing. We have no idea. Dinosaurs are not like what you hear in Jurassic Park. They do not growl like a lion. They don't whinny like the horses up at Carpsalhurt. They don't make the sounds like rhinos do, although perhaps that's closer than most animals. Certainly they would have made a lot of rustling as they foraged in the bush. The closest we can get to that is listening to a herd of elephants grazing in the Sabi River Valley. This is what Philip had to say about what kind of sounds dinosaurs made. The audio isn't great. It's from a long distance phone call after all. It sounds like it's come down through time itself. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, they, they know quite specifically what sounds some dinosaurs, like some of the, 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 the hydrosaurs had very specific uh, uh, nasal passages, which made specific bends and, and turns. And they've actually replicated those nasal passages and then they blow through it and they make a, a loud honking noise, you know. Of course, there were many dinosaurs and they were dynamic. Some dinosaurs were smaller than a chicken and one could uh, expect like squeaky noises from them. And of course, dinosaurs and birds are closely related. So uh, when you think of the, the wide variety of bird sounds, maybe slow them down to compensate for the size of the animal, you know make them reverberate a little bit more, then I think you're going to be right on the, on the button. You've been listening to the Sunday Times Travel Podcast, and I'm Paul Ash. Stay tuned for our next episode, which could be anything from steam trains to the sounds of lions being transported to a new home in the bush. <laughs>